Welcome to today's study with Pastor Rick. Reaching thousands around the world by radio and online, Pastor Rick provides answers to the challenges of everyday living. Well, life can be challenging, but you've tuned into the right program today. My name is Pastor Ricky Temple. It's going to be fun. Open your Bible. Let's learn something today that will help you manage your life. Enjoy today's study. In Matthew chapter 5 was where we're going to start today. Jesus takes 12 guys up on a mountain on a hill and he starts talking to them about their, their approach and their view. And he wants them to rethink the way they view life, rethink the way they approach people. Because in order for them to go to the next place he wants to take them, they have to change their view. If you don't change their view, you can't get there. He can't get them there. So it starts as the first message, the first full sermon, the first big conversation they have recorded in the Bible. And so because Matthew 5 is the first place you have this great conversation, what's profound is the conversation is about view and approach. And so I want to change, the title of the sermon in your notes says five things to rethink in your life, but... I want to, you know, because I have the privilege of doing this, I want to change it. So you can write on the side. Say, rethink Rethink. your view view. and your approach. approach. This is about rethinking your view and approach. How you view life and how you approach it. Jesus is committed to helping these 12 guys get to a place. But the problem is the way they've been nurtured and raised, it's, it's not going to work. And that's true for a lot of us. You may have great desires. You can go get a great education. But if your view towards work does not change, if your work ethic, if your attitude towards authority doesn't change, then you'll have a tremendous challenge. And so back to our sermon here, understand Jesus now in Matthew chapter 5 is talking to 12 guys on a mountain. And he says, I want to change your view. I want to challenge the way you think. Because if I change your view, we can go forward. If I can't change your view... We're not going to get there. And here's what's hard about this conversation. He's he's talking about the way they were raised. They were raised by religious leaders who had convinced them of certain things, and they had certain convictions. So in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, which we're going to deal with over the next three weeks, you're going to hear him, Jesus, say, now you've heard it said, but I say. You were told this, but now I tell you this. I want you to understand that that's that's not an easy thing to hear. That my mama didn't tell me it right. My daddy didn't tell me right. My family culture is not really the culture I like. That's why marriage is so difficult for people because you run into family differences. Your, your family is kind of, you know, they're not neat. They're just kind of stuffs everywhere. And that's normal. I'm not saying it's evil or bad. It's just, but some people just really need. I mean, they just, they're, they're, they, they're very organized. They take their shoes off. They put their socks in the shoes or they fold them up or they're just, and the shoes are always like side by side. You, there you go, baby. Let it fly. <laughs> now, that's, that's, that's not evil. That's just you. And when you, when you get married and you get into a relationship, you run into that. And so all of your life, you are trying to help people adjust their view. And you see this when you expand, when you travel the world, when you interact with other cultures. When you, when you have a tremendous shift in exposure to different age levels. That's what's happening in our, in our world. The older people aren't dying, they're living longer. So younger workers are having to work with older workers. And you're having a generation clash in some ways because people have a different view. And if you think your view is the only view, you're going to be in a lot of conflict. And so Jesus knows that. And so in in Matthew 5, 
He says, guys, let's talk. And, and I want you to first notice something that's really simple but very profound. And I listed it in what I call five things I want you to rethink. The first thing I want you to rethink is rethink the way you train. Training is an important part of life. And I want you to look at chapter 5, verse 1. It says, and seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Now, chapter 5, verse 1 really picks up from chapter 4, where it describes all the healings Jesus did to the multitudes. And multitudes doesn't mean a certain number. It just means a lot of people. It, it, it could be 50 people, it could be 100 people, but it was a crowd. It could be 200 people, it could be 1,000 people. But he says, there's a lot of people, a lot of people. And then after Jesus talked to a lot of people, then he went and talked to his 12 disciples on the mountain, and they were just talking. And he opened his mouth, verse 2, and he taught them, saying. Now, all this is from the Message Bible, so I'm going to compare the two because I want you to notice this is where Jesus by himself sits down with these guys, and he says, let me tell you how you need to view life going forward. You need to rethink the way you, you've been living. And he starts with these statements you're familiar with, but you're only familiar with them in the King James. So let me read it for you in the King James and notice what he says to them. Catch this now. In a small setting, small guys, small group, most of your great training happens with one or two people. The Bible is not full of a lot of mega experiences. Very few. Every now and then Jesus spoke to 5,000 or 4,000, but generally it was to 12 guys, two guys, three guys, you know, it was Adam and Eve, right? Then Moses and his uh, family of small groups. It was Jonah uh, and a few people on the boat. Most of what you read in the Bible is about small interactions. Well, listen to what Jesus tells these 12 guys on the mountain. Here's what he says. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You heard that before? Right? For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are uh, those who mourn. Now, this is not in your notes, okay? Your, your notes have the message Bible. I'm reading to you the King James the reason I'm doing this is because I want you to understand you know this part of the Bible. You've heard it before, but you've probably never heard it explained from this angle. So here's what it says. Blessed are the poor in spirit, verse, verse 3, uh, uh, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the, those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the what? Sons of God. Those are, that's the way you've heard that all of your life. Those are, those are simple ways of describing what people call the Beatitudes. But people don't really understand what it means a lot of times. It sounds good, but what does it mean? Well, the word blessed is a simple word. It means happy. So here's what he's trying to say. Here's what happiness looks like. Twelve guys sitting on the mountain. You want to be happy? You want to follow me? Here's what you need to think like. Here's, here's some thoughts you need to rethink because what you've been taught about these thoughts doesn't really work where you're going. It might have worked here, but it's not going to work where you're going. Please catch that. The way you think now will not work where you're going. It may work now. When you're in college, you know, you know, high school, right? High school thinking about studying is one thinking. College is another. So where you're going to a, to a job who's not going to tolerate you being late three times and you're out of a job, you know, that's a different way of thinking. And so he's trying to get them ready for the future, and their view and their approach has to be changed or it won't work. So here's what he says. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Now, in the Message Bible, notice how he summarizes all of these verses I've just read for you, the first six verses, and he puts them in what I call a category called tough and hungry seasons. So he wants them to rethink how they view tough and what seasons? 
hungry seasons. And the first thing he says to them is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for there's the kingdom of God. But in the message Bible, it says, when you are at the end of your rope, you're blessed. When you feel poor in spirit or you feel like I'm at the end of my rope, at the end of the road, when you're at the end of your rope, with less of you, there is more of God and his rule. He's ruling. He's there when you feel poor. His kingdom is present when you feel empty. When you're at the end of your rope, he still is in charge. Now, that, that's, that's a powerful moment to step back and say, when I come to a moment when I feel it's tough and I'm at the end of my rope, it's okay. Now, that's a change of thought for them. Hey, guys, I know you want to feel sorry for yourself. I know you want to say, oh, God, help me. But he says, no, no, no. Where you're going is like this a lot. And where you're going, you have to learn how to view this as a blessed moment, as a happy moment. Secondly, he says, when you come to these moments, when you feel lost, not only at the end of your when you feel lost, when you're mourning, blessed are those who mourn, you feel lost. That's a moment in your life that you can know that you're embraced by the one most dear to you. So change your view, guys, 12 guys on a mountain. You're, you're going to come to moments when you feel lost, completely lost. And you can also have thirdly moments when you feel as if, I love this, when all you have is what you have. Say that with me, please. Come on. When all you have is what you have. You know, blessed are the meek. Those people who don't have much, but they will have more along in, down the road. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's a good place to be. Imagine getting up in the morning. It's a wonderful book I read. It's called, well, in the book it talked about this um, concept of being happy. Just, I'm, it, it, I think it's called content. I'm just, just imagine for a moment, I look good enough, I smile good enough, I have enough money, um, I don't need anything else. Imagine just being in a state where you feel really good about you. He describes the meek attitude here. Those people who approach life that way, disciples sitting on a mountain, guys, you, if you can get to a place of meekness and contentment with where you are and what you have, and if you could just say, what I have is what I have, and that's okay. I don't need another car. I don't need another pair of shoes. I'm okay. That is the way these guys on the mountain had to think, and that's not how they were taught to think. They were taught to think you had to have more, and they were taught to think you have to be, you can't ever feel lost, and you can't be at the end of your rope. You've got to always be together and strong. And he says, no, 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 where you're going, that's not going to always be true. And you have to know that God's kingdom, God's rulership is present when you don't feel that way. That's what confuses a lot of people. You think you're supposed to be awesome. But Jesus starts this conversation out, blessed are the poor when you feel awful. Blessed are those who mourn, and blessed are those who are meek. Don't have much. They're just kind of hanging on to what they've got. But they found a way when they're in those places to be happy. And when they're hungry and they're longing for God's best, they're not quite there yet. They're blessed. That's a blessed place. So you're blessed when you're, you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best uh, meal you'll ever have. So think about that. Think about it that way. 12 guys sitting on the mountain. I want you guys to rethink how you view tough times and, and review how you think hungry moments. Don't cry, don't moan. Expect those seasons of your life. Rethink those moments.
And then he closes out in the Beatitudes with these final thoughts. He says, rethink how you view what causes long-term blessings. And he says, if you guys really want to be blessed, you've got to not be so tough. You've got to be caring. It's when you care, number one, that good things happen for you. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy, it says in the King James. Here it says, you're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you'll find yourself cared for. You are a person who has the power, he says, if you care, to change everything in your future. Twelve guys on a mountain about to go change the world. I want you guys to understand blessings will come to you. Long-term blessings will come when you sow a spirit of caring. Now, in their culture, it wasn't quite like that. Religious leaders were kind of aloof, and they were up here someplace, and the people were down there. Blessings come when your heart is right. Blessed are the pure in heart. You've heard that, right, all your life, verse 8? It says you're blessed when you get your, your inside world. That's the pure in heart part. Your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. Twelve guys on the mountain, if you really want to change the world, here's what you got to be, pure in heart. You got to care and you got to have a genuine heart. You can't be a hypocrite. You can't be faking it. You guys can't take faking forward. It's not going to work. If your heart's not pure, it's not going to work. Nothing's going to change in your life. Are you good at pretending? Are you good at faking it? Looking like you're okay, but you're really not? Then the last thing he says about long-term blessings is not only must you care, not only must you have a pure heart, but you must be a person who's a peacemaker and you avoid unnecessary fights. Now, you've heard this verse for years, right? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall see God. The question is, are you one of those people? He says you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are. Now, before you turn the page, stay with me. Here's a question. Why do you have strife on every job? You've been in how many marriages or relationships and you've had strife in how many? You've been mad with everybody you've dated and loved. It's like, okay, pause for a minute and let me ask you a simple question. Could it possibly be that you're not really good at peacemaking? You're mad with somebody right now, but okay, so how long do you plan to be this way? Do you know anything about how to make peace? Do you know anything about how to resolve issues? Or do you just kind of say, I'm mad and so until they just kind of fall down and die or something? I don't know what your thought is. But now turn the page. Let me show you what you should do. The fourth thing he wants you to rethink. Rethink your view of training. It's generally in small groups. Rethink how you view tough and hungry seasons. That's part of the journey. View it as something that is not as bad as it looks, even if you feel like you're at the end of the rope, if you feel like you're lost, if you feel like, man, what I have is not enough, if you feel like I'm hungry for God, but I can't quite get there. Rethink how you view your life. Review conflict. Re sit down on the side of the road and rethink all this. And then he says this. Rethink how you manage your anger. I believe that anger is a part of life you can't avoid. You are going to be angry, and being a peacemaker is going to be a tough call for you, like it is for all of us. And I, I really believe that Jesus nails down something here that's really simple. He says, you guys have one view of anger, and I have another. Twelve guys on a mountain, I want you to hear me. You define anger as killing people. 
As long as I don't murder anybody, I've not done anything wrong. I can be angry and upset, but it's, you know, as long as I didn't murder you. You may think it doesn't matter what I say. And Jesus says, no, you're wrong. And here's what he says, and this is stunning for them. You're familiar with the counsel to the ancients. This is in verse 21 of Matthew 5, do not murder. I'm telling you that anyone who is so, is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. Now that rocked them. Wait a minute. Oh, you're trying to say I murder people because I'm angry? And some of, some of us have an angry list. You know, and certain people come around, we kind of oh, straighten up a little bit. And Jesus says, I want you to be clear. When you function in that kind of anger, you kill people. Careless words that you say, what you emit, what people feel from you, you can absolutely suck the life out of somebody. It's amazing. Here's what he says. Carelessly call a brother an idiot. And you just might find yourself hauled into court. Thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister and you are on the brink of, of hellfire. The simple moral fact is that words kill. Here's all Christ is doing is painting a picture. He says, you want to really, really see what kills people? It's not physical death, it's your words. You've killed way more people with your words. Just saying you're an idiot, stupid, fool, dumb. It's amazing how in one moment you can almost sabotage a person's view. Do you, do you mark people? Because you, you, you let people know how you feel. So you, you got a little Brandon Iron, you kind of just... Anybody who kind of gets in your way, you, you let them know. I don't play. There are a lot of people with your tattoo. There are a lot of moments when you justifiably let everybody know who you are. And you're not taking it. You're tough. Jesus says, 12 guys on a mountain, you're murderers. Now that made them step back. Because here's what he's doing. Rethink your view and your approach to anger. Stop thinking it's a casual right you have to be extremely harsh. I see this so much in the rearing of children. I see it in supervisors. I'm the boss. I'm in charge. And so you carry a spirit that's angry all the time. And Jesus just really says, that's not the way I want you to think. And as long as that's your view, that'll be your approach. Here's what he says, and he gives an example, verse 23 of Matthew 5. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If, if you enter your place of worship and you're about to make an offering and you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you, if you go to church and you get the hymnal in your hand, you're about to sing a gospel song, right? A hymn. Abandon, verse 24, your offering. Put the hymnal down. Leave immediately. Go to this friend and make things right. Then, and only then, come back and work things out with God. That's stunning. Put your hands down. Stop singing. Go to the person. Get right with people. It starts with relationship. 
I don't want you to get confused, 12 guys on a mountain, and think that I want you now to go out and meet some great preachers and, and have all these issues with people. Then he goes on and says this, verse 25, or say you're out on the street and an old enemy accosts you. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but you can't avoid having enemies. Watch Jesus' response to this. Here's what he says. He says, make the first move. He said, don't lose a moment. I'm in verse 25 now in your notes. Don't, don't lose a minute. Make the first move. Make things right with him. Take the, take the front seat. After all, if you, leave the if you leave the first move to him, knowing his track record, you're likely to end up in court, maybe even jail. If that happens, you won't get out without a stiff fine. In other words, make the first move. So when someone's mad with me or an enemy, I say, hey, how are you? So what would you hear? Oh, no. Absolutely not. I make the first move. Make, make the first move. Be a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall see God. There's something about taking the high ground and not getting caught up in what people misunderstand. And I want to tell you, some of you are praying to be blessed. You're the 12 guys on the mountain, right? And Jesus is saying to them, hey, guys, if you really want to be awesome, if you really want to go with me, this is the way, the way you have to see things. You have to view it this way. Your approach cannot be eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You guys, later on in, in our study, you hear me talk about that. That's not some call to be wimpy and beat down. It's the call to say, don't let that be your first response. Don't be so antagonistic, so get your back, in your face. If you're going to go with me, your view and your approach have to be different. Twelve guys on a mountain, on a hillside, talking to me. This is how you have to think. And then he jumps into this incredible closing, which I'm going to end today with, and it's just amazing. And he kind of says, oh, and by the way, please don't commit adultery. Uh, and if, if, if that doesn't, like, rock your head back, you go, okay, so I'm, I'm rethinking how I view training. I see we're talking to a small group here. Re reviewing how, I, how, tough, how to view tough and, and hungry seasons, and I'm also to rethink how I view um, what, what brings long-term blessing, but now all of a sudden you jump into this whole thing about lust and temptation. The King James is pretty profound. It says, you know, don't commit adultery, and if you look upon a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery. That's how the King James says it, right? Here he just kind of says it in a plain way, verse 27. He says, you know that the next commandment pretty well told, well too, don't go to bed with another spouse, another person's spouse. Well, Pastor Rick, okay, now, the sermon was okay until here. I'm just, don't know what to do with that part. Me either. I wish it, you know what I mean? But it's here, so you got to deal with it, right? And, and I, I, I put it in, under this caption, you know, rethink how you manage your strong cravings. He calls it lust. You want to go with me, 12 guys on the hill? You want to go with me? Here's what we got to do. We got to change how you view and approach your sexual lives. Or you can't go with me. First sermon, first message, first conversation, he jumps into this topic early. Why? Because it's a common problem. Hopping around, not being faithful. And he says, if you want to go with me, 12 disciples, 
Let me talk to you about this. Now, and then he, he says something that's, again, strange because, okay, I can understand you saying don't commit adultery. That I get, but you said that if I look in the King James upon a woman to lust after her, or you ladies can join the club, or if you look at a guy to lust after him. Ladies looked at him. I don't have that problem. You're right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, he says, you know, you've already crossed the line. And here's how he says it in, in this version, which I love. He said, um, verse 28, don't you think, don't you think you pre- preserved your virtue simply? Don't, think you pre- don't you think you preserved your virtue simply by staying out of a bed? Even if you haven't literally done anything, here's what he says. Your heart can be corrupted by lust even quicker than your body. Those leering looks you think nobody notices. They also can corrupt you. And so you would think, okay, here's what you want me to do. Right? Tempo, man, I got. You want me to just do this when I go to the mall? I see somebody pretty. Go that devil, 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 devil. <laughs> Demon. Demon. <laughs> no. Well, our time is up. I pray you were blessed by what you heard today. You know, you can make a decision to turn your life in a new direction and find the peace that God has for your life. See you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message from Pastor Ricky Temple. Watch more encouraging messages from Pastor Rick at www.rickytemple.tv. If you'd like a copy of this message, click on the bookstore tab at rickytemple.com where you can watch Pastor Rick live and get information about our ministry. Join us next time for another uplifting message.